Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. happy to be in the house of the Lord today. Are you happy to hear your second favorite pastor? You can't say I'm your first because I know the best is right over there. Amen. How many is thankful for our pastor? I really, really treasure him. I really, really do. I know there's a lot of good, a lot of good pastors out there, but I think we've got the best. I really do. Who's got their Bible today? You got your sword with you? You ready to swing it? Amen. I've got something in my spirit. It's been there a few weeks. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. All right, let's make our confession. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind's alert. My heart's receptive. And I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible, the incorruptible, the ever-living seed, the Word of God, and I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, Amen. Shout hallelujah if you believe that. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 11, verse 2. I'm just thankful for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. pastor's going to be going and teaching on John the Baptist. I had no clue of that. But we're going to look at something about what Jesus said concerning John the Baptist. Very interesting. Confirming the ministry of John the Baptist, but more so your faith walk. Somebody say violent faith. Say it one more time. Say violent faith. Matthew chapter 11, verse 2. We're going to read a couple verses and then we're going to get into seven characteristics of living faith. You might think, my Lord, AJ, it usually takes you about an hour to get two, and it will be a miracle if I get through all seven. Praise God. But we're going to give it a Holy Ghost try. Matthew chapter 11, verse 2. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Jesus, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Verse 4. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Verse 6, Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. As they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? Verse 8. But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. For this is he, John the Baptist, of whom it is written, Quoting Isaiah, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way 
before you. Excuse me, that was Malachi the prophet. Verse 11, Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Who's a member of the kingdom of heaven today? Verse 12, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. What the Lord's put on my heart, and I'm going to do my absolute best to get across to you today, is that the life of the believer is defined by violent faith. Walking with Jesus is not a passive float through life, just kind of que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be lifestyle. To serve Jesus is an active daily decision. It is a violent decision. It is something filled with zeal and passion and ardent desire. In fact, the Amplified reads it this way, Matthew eleven twelve 12, out of the Amplified version. Let me read it to you. It says, And from the days of John the Baptist until the present time, the kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault. And violent men seize it by force as a precious prize. A share in the heavenly kingdom is sought with the most ardent zeal and intense exertion. Faith in Jesus is not a religious box to be ticked. It's not on just the checklist of today. Though I will say this. If in your daily life you need to make a checklist to pray and read your Bible and it is just going through the motions, go through the motions until you make it part of your life. <laughs> but it should be much more than just going through the motions. Walking and trusting in Jesus is a 100% completely sold out, I have no plan B, I will not turn back, come hell or high water, I'm going forward and further with Jesus. How many can see you? I mean, just be honest. You look out in the earth and you see it's apparent that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. There's people attacking the message of the gospel all the time. I've mentioned this several times before, and it may seem kind of trivial because I've, I've said it myself. Social media, you know, isn't real life. You understand? No one gets up in the morning with their hair all messed up, their teeth not brushed, in their pajamas, and takes a selfie. No, you wait till you've washed and showered and you've done your hair, and you take one, and you say, no, no, the light wasn't right. Let me move over here. Oh, no, I, I have my thinner side, and you find your thinner side, and you take, oh, you know, like, I just woke up like this after three hours of preparation. Social media is not quite real, is it? In fact, most things you see on your phone, on TV, isn't real. If you believe that, know that, say amen. But I do know this. There is a war of words going on in the earth. And I do know this that the only means by which people shall be saved is if they hear the message of the gospel. And so I think as Christians we should use everything, and as a church, you understand, as a ministry, because you're part of this ministry, you are part of this ministry, amen? As a ministry, as a church, we should use everything available to us to reach people. How many believes that? Amen. And so there's this platform uh, called TikTok, I was on it about a, two years ago, realized there's just a bunch of nonsense and trash on there, so I just got off. 
Well, at the beginning of this year, I've mentioned it before, I doubled down on I knew what my calling is. I'm the call to teach and preach the Word of God. I'm to do the, uh, as Paul told Timothy as a pastor, do the work of an evangelist, winning people. So there's two, that two-pronged thing that I'm working on. And I just doubled down. And you might think, well, what do you do in your pastime, A.J.? I'd, I'd teach the Bible. What do you do in your downtime, A.J.? I record those videos. Good morning. This is your wake-up call some of y'all have seen on Facebook. That's what I do in my downtime. Amen. Because I'm just, I, I realize I've got a short window of time. How many knows Jesus is coming back soon? And so I said, my goodness, on TikTok, there's a billion people. Eighty percent of them are under the age of 29. And that's the most unreached group in the world right now. And I thought, man, you got to get to 1,000 people, 1,000 subscribers before you can live stream. I said, okay, you got to put up videos. It's a little, it takes a little bit more effort than just posting something or posting a picture. you got to put up videos. So my beautiful, wonderful, helpful helpmate that God gave me, she, the first few months of this year, she's in there helping me. Now, this, move it this way, Laura. Move it a little bit that way. Did it look all right? And finally, I got a good system going, and I'm about 180 videos in putting on the TikTok. I don't dance. You wouldn't want to see me do a silly dance because that's how some people get famous on that social media. Doing some little dance, you wouldn't want to see me do it anyway. It's just Bible teaching, Bible teaching, Bible teaching. Because I, I, that's, that's what I'm trying to do. So what's my point I'm making here? I said, Lord, if you'll give me reach on this particular platform, I will go often and, often and continually and preach the Word of God. And finally, I hit that thousand-person mark. I said, well, praise God, I'm going to go and start streaming. That took about three or four months and a hundred videos. That took some work. Amen. Well, then I finally get there, and now we're about, we're, we crossed 7,000 just last week. And we're just reaching people internationally. Thursday we were streaming. I had a, a man that was Muslim and a Hindu man, Hindu man both get saved on the stream. How is some, some boy from Lawrence going to reach a Hindu and a Muslim in the same second? But I can pop up my iPhone and just read the Bible and people get saved. And so, the, so we got to do things violently. Now, I had this idea. I say I had it. The Lord gave me an idea. Once I hit that thousand-person mark of subscribers, I said, no, okay, I made a vow to God and said I would go on there and stream and talk about it, but how am I going to prepare? What am I going to get on there and re- do? And the Lord said, just read the Bible. And I thought, oh, wow, no one can get offended about that. I'll just read the Bible. So I said, what better to read than Jesus? I'll just start in Matthew and work my way through. Everyone's going to love that. Let me tell you something. What is it? Was it P.T. Barnum says even bad publicity is good publicity? Amen. Because the way the logarithm works on social media is activity. And all TikTok knows is when I go stream, I get activity. I get thousands of comments. I mean, I hit a peak of, I'll hit a peak of five, six hundred people at one time. I average 150 people watching at one time. Thousands of comments. Now, 70% of them is, you idiot. This is so stupid. I'd wish you'd rather, I'd rather you read Harry Potter. I can't believe people believe in this. Just mean. And that's all right, because inside I'm a little bit of a confrontational anyway. I kind of like confrontation. I said, that's okay, because the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. You can preach, you can teach, you can talk about anything. That's just something for me personally that I'm trying to give my best to give an example. The point I'm trying to make is this. If you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to get pushback. I'm not going to lie to you. There is a cost to following Jesus. 
But I have weighed the cost of following Jesus compared to the reward of His presence and His glory. And I have found the cost extremely small compared to the reward of serving Him. And I'm just not going to let some backslidden, wicked, foul, dead in sin, don't even know which bathroom to use world, tell me whether I should follow Jesus or not. That's a little offensive, brother. Amen. The, the gospel is offensive. I don't try. I don't just wake up today and think, who am I going to offend today? But I will say this. If you're going to stick with Jesus, you're going to suffer violence. There will be violent assault. And we can see this really in two ways. And really, if you begin to study and read commentaries, you'll see on this passage, there's two ways. Passively, the kingdom of heaven is like a fortress that's being uh, constantly attacked. Do you know that Satan is constantly lying about Jesus every day? He tries to lie about Jesus to you. Oh, you really think you're forgiven? You really think that whole prayer stuff works? You really think God loves you after all? Everything you've done, you believe that? That's an attack and assault of the kingdom of heaven. And there's people, you know, what we've seen it on the news media, right? People can talk about anything, doing an interview. A lot of times you see it with young athletes. They'll be interviewing athletes, catch of the day. Oh, wow, this is amazing. And then all of a sudden they say, how did you do that? And they say, well, first off, I want to give glory to Jesus. Oh, I'm sorry, we just lost connection. We don't know what happened to Roger. Maybe we can get back connection to him. The moment he said Jesus, they lost connection, right? You see it all the time. Why is it that it's the name of Jesus that no one wants you to speak? They don't care if you go pray out in public at some public event. You know, today we're, we're honoring the remembrance of everyone that passed away on September 11th and the men and women that gave their life in defending freedom. But, you know, you can go out. There's going to be places all over America honoring that memory. They don't care if you pray to God. Just don't pray to Jesus. But let me tell you something. The only thing that will save this nation is Jesus and the power invested in that name. And there is constantly attack on the message of the gospel. Now, that's one side of it. The other side is this. In order for you to receive from God, you're going to have to have violent faith. And what I just read, I saw seven different things when I was praying and studying earlier this week. I saw seven different characteristics of violent faith. And I want you to see them with me today. The first one is this. In, when John the Baptist sends his two disciples to Jesus, Jesus says, go back and tell John what you have heard. Someone say this. Say, faith can be heard. Violent faith can be heard. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 8. You're in Matthew 11. Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, verse 8. We've looked at this a lot. We've seen it before over the years. If you've never read this, this is your homework. Go home and read it tonight, Matthew chapter 8. It's a powerful chapter. It's a healing chapter. Jesus goes on a healing spree. He heals all types of diseases, not just different sicknesses, but different types of diseases, whether it was nervous system or muscular or skeletal or blood. He heals all these different types of diseases. But go to Matthew chapter 8, verse 8. This centurion man who came to Jesus, he's obviously very kind, very benevolent, because he didn't come for healing for himself, but on the behalf of his servant. He loves this man, even though he's a servant. And he tells Jesus, I'm, I'm believing that you can come or that you can heal this man who's paralyzed at home. Jesus said, oh, absolutely, I'll come and heal you. Let's just stop right there real quick. If you need healing, Jesus is saying, I'll come and heal you. Many people... I haven't met a Christian who doesn't believe that God 
can't heal. Every Christian I know believes God can. That's not the question. The question they wrestle with is, will God heal me? And what's Jesus saying to you? I'll come and heal you. I've sent my word. Healing is yours. It's the children's bread. Receive that. Amen. Verse, verse 8 of Matthew 8. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Someone say, speak a word. For I'm also a man under authority, having soldiers under me. There's a whole revelation of spiritual authority right there. True spiritual authority always has a covering. I don't walk in spiritual authority unless I'm under the authority of God. And as, a, as, a, as called to this place, every calling has a position, a place, and a people. I'm called to this church, which means I must submit under the authority of my pastor. I can't just go around running and gunning and doing whatever I want and expect to succeed. If you're going to walk in the authority of power of God, you're submitted under authority. He's a man of authority because he's under authority. You want authority with God? It comes by way of submission to God. You don't just run around spouting off whatever. If you're not walking under the submission and humbly submitting yourself to the things of God, Lord, you're my master, command me. That's someone God can move through. And that's what this man, he had a revelation of. And he says, I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. Verse 10, when Jesus heard it, violent faith can be heard. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. My goodness. I was going to say my Lord, but he would be saying my me if Jesus said my Lord. He marveled and said to those who followed, Surely I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Violent faith can be heard. If you're not hearing your faith, it's not faith. Let's go off script. Is that okay? You don't mind if I jump off the outline? You don't know what it is. You don't know what the outline is, do you? Turn with me to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verse 42. Your faith must be heard. And there's a couple aspects of that. John chapter 12, verse 42. Nevertheless, even among the rulers... Who are these rulers? The Pharisees, Sadducees, chief rulers. Many believed in Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, this religious bunch, they did not confess Him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. Verse 43, For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Violent faith is not fearful of being heard. If you believe in something, but you're too afraid to say it, oh, what will people think? There's some people that already think you're crazy. You might as well validate it. If you're too afraid to confess your faith, it's not faith. What your mouth cannot confess, your life will never receive. If you can't say it, you ain't going to have it. And it comes from salvation. What does Romans chapter 10, verse 9 tell us? That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, 
that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 13, for whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever calls, whoever says, whoever says, Jesus, you're my Lord. This is the word of faith that we preach, Romans 10, 8. It's nigh in your mouth and in your heart. It's near. What's in your heart's going to come out of your mouth. Jesus said, out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. Ooh, I didn't mean to say that. You may not have meant to say it, but it was in there and it slipped out. It's what Andy Griffith called, said those slippery words. Ooh, it was a slippery, one of them greasy words that slipped out. Don't let, if you don't put any greasy words in here, it won't work its way out. Oh, I didn't really mean to say that. You know, I love, there's a particular group that does it, Project Veritas. They've been around for a long time. I really like them because they'll go in places... Republican, Democrat, Independent, don't matter what they are, when they find out that there's a snake in the grass, they'll, they'll send someone in and they'll sneak in in this organization or campaigns and different things and they'll videotape them or they'll record them and it'll be politicians or business people or on social media, we saw it with Facebook, different things, and behind closed doors they say certain things that they don't want people to hear and then Project Veritas will leak it. And those people that were recorded say, well, that, what, that wasn't the whole story. I don't need to know the whole story. If you hate my guts, whether, that, whether there was something before it or after it, I just know you hate my guts. I don't really know, need a detailed explanation of why you hate my guts. <laughs> Whatever's in your heart's going to come out of your mouth. And violent faith can be heard. When you squeeze an orange, orange juice is coming out. Whatever you fill your heart with, when pressure comes, is coming out. And when there's a violent assault from exterior forces, satanic opposition, what's in you is coming out. And if faith in Jesus is in you, it's coming out. This was years ago I was, when I was working for... Uh, Mr. Toby, when he was doing meter work, we were, uh, I guess at this point, how many years is it that have to go by before they no longer can prosecute you? Never mind, never mind. I was in, I, I, I was in, I think it was Greer, and I was, what we did was we would test meters, and in Greer, I think we were actually, or easily, we were changing out meters, electric meters on the side of houses. And uh, I, y'all know me, everybody loves me, unless you absolutely hate me. And so I, I, I was changing this meter on this house, and a guy came out, and I'll say this. He was one of the Lord's special creations. Amen. He, he thought that I was changing that meter because through his electric meter, we were going to watch everything he was doing. And I'm thinking, my friend, I don't know what you're smoking, but I hope you're getting a good price for it. I hope you, because whatever you're on, my friend, has got you out there, way out there. Oh, and he got mad. Ooh, he got mad at me. And he pulled out his phone. He started recording me. Uh, I'm going to report you to the police. And I said, I said, are you recording me? I sure am. I'm recording you. I said, you're recording me working. He said, I sure am recording you working. I said, well, since you've got it out and you're recording me, let me just tell you something. Lest you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will not receive salvation. But if you believe on Jesus as the risen Son of God and confess Him with the Lord of your life, you shall be saved. And this fear that has you in bondage, you can be set free from it. And then started speaking in the Holy Ghost. And this is what he said. Oh, praying in tongues without an interpreter, huh? 
Now think about that. How, how, out of all the verses he knew, that was the one he knew. What's in you is going to come out. What is in you will come out under pressure. Violent faith can be heard. It's so much more than you just reciting something off you've memorized. But if that's where you need to start, start there. When Laura and I were believing for a child, I came home one day and I saw note cards everywhere. Fridge, mirror, nightstand, went in the closet, getting dressed, turn around, there's a note card. Every one of them had a different promise of Scripture concerning our right to have children. To the point that where any time, whether it was exterior, someone saying it, or some wicked thought that Satan would bring across the mind, her or me, we could say, you foul lie. Children are an inheritance of God. And my quiver shall be filled. They are the reward of the righteous. And my house will be filled with children. And we had what we said. But it's it's almost like there's a tipping point. It's like you keep filling up, filling up, filling up, filling up, filling up, filling up, and then it tips over. And you've entered into faith. It's much more than just a say it one time. Say it two times. Say it one day. Say it one week. You make a decision. I've taken hold of the kingdom of heaven and I'm pressing into what God has given me and I shall not be denied. You can do that with anything. Healing in your body. I mean, you you just go revelation after revelation after revelation. I've gotten to a point where if it can't be in Jesus, it can't be in me. I'm part of the body of Christ. I may be the pinky toe way down on there, but I'm part of the body of Christ. And if it can't be in Jesus, it can't be in me. Well, Jesus don't have any sickness in him. Bingo. Then what is attacking my body is an illegal evasion of the hand of the enemy. And I'll not put up with it. Man, that sounds awful strange. You're one of them name it, claim it people. Some of them blab it, grab it folks, aren't you? Last time I checked in the nation we live in, I can walk around and say, I'm a woman. And you all got to agree. You talk about crazy, that's crazy. It's not crazy to speak the word of God. Look, faith preachers had it hard until a few years ago because we were trying to get people to say the Word of God even though they couldn't see it, couldn't feel it, couldn't taste it, couldn't touch it. Now you got jokers running around all the countryside saying, I'm a woman so they can sneak into a woman's bathroom and all we're saying is just, just say what God says. That ain't foolish saying what God says because violent faith can be heard. Violent faith can be heard. I've already been banned once on TikTok for hate speech. And we appealed it and we won it. So I'm not, I'm not fearful of that either. Amen. Hallelujah. What was your hate speech, AJ? I was reading the Bible. Amen. Turn with me to Mark chapter 2, verse 3. Violent faith can be heard. Notice what Jesus said. Go back to John and tell him what you have heard and what you've seen. Violent faith can be seen. Violent faith can be seen. Mark chapter 2, verse 3. Faith can be seen? 
I thought it was something spiritual. It is, but it has connected to it natural action. For faith without works is dead. If you really believe something, it's going to change the way you talk, think, live, treat people, what you do with your time, your money, who you reach out to. It just changes everything about you. Mark 2, Mark 2 verse 3. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. Thank God for good friends. Surround yourself with friends who will carry you to Jesus when you need it. Verse 4. And when they had come, not when they had could not come near, excuse me, and when they could not come near Jesus, because of the crowd, wherever Jesus is, there's always a multitude. How long are you going to say that, AJ? Till there's a multitude here. And when I'm looking at these empty pews, I'm saying this cannot be because Jesus always attracts multitudes. That's why I'll not say silly stuff like, well, America's too far gone, and you think there's going to be a revival? I absolutely do. For where sin abounds, grace does abound much more. Because the, the nation we live in is done with dead religion. And they will only desire and encounter a living Savior. And where Jesus is, there's a multitude. Verse 4, And when they could not come near Him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where He was. Your faith will rip off roofs. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying, verse 5. And when Jesus did what? Saw their faith. Faith can be seen. Faith is not sitting on your blessed assurance, waiting for God to move. Well, I believe God's going to move one day. He moved at Calvary. If he did not spare his only son, Romans 8.31, what would he withhold from us now? When you get a hold of that, everything that you need has come by the way of Jesus, who is the door. You won't wait on God to move. You'll move in God. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to that paralytic, Son, your your sins are forgiven. Faith can be seen. I'll read it to you. You don't have to turn there, but Acts 14.8. You think, well, that was Jesus. Acts 14.8. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking, because faith can be heard. Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Faith that could be heard caused faith in someone else so that the man, Paul, who was preaching faith and it could be heard, then could see on the man that faith was in him. Faith can be seen. Faith can be seen. How do I know that? Because God is looking all over the earth, running to and fro for the eyes of the Lord, running to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong, on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to Him, 2 Chronicles 16, 9, God's looking for faith. Jesus said, when I return, will I find faith on the earth? How do you find something that you can't see? Faith can be seen. Faith has an action plan. That's what's so miraculous about faith. 
God takes your five loaves and two fishes, something very meager, but it's something you've given him, and then the power of God hits that situation and multiplies and feeds a multitude. God takes your staff in your hand, and he says, just reach up and lift up that staff, and I'll split the sea. God, God says, he's, he's looking, he said, you speak to that axe head and tell it to come on up, even though it sounds silly, and that axe head floats up to the water. God's always using something in your hand because faith can be seen. You're going to have to apply some pressure in areas of your life. If there's sticking points in your life, get extreme about it. In other words, get faithful. And begin to apply some spiritual pressure. It's what Pastor said. He just said that last, well, no, it was two weeks ago. Uh, when I was listening back uh, to the sermon, that first part of the big picture, he was talking about household salvation. And in, uh, when he said it, my mind went to what many people refer to household salvation of, I get saved and it's just going to hit everybody else in my house, whether they like it or not. But when he said it, he said household salvation. He said, in other words, if I'm in my home, we saved, we all going to church. Amen. 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 You might think, why do you like wearing suits? Well, I, used to, I grew up wearing suits. Why did I grow up wearing suits? Because when I said I didn't want to go to church, it's easier to hide a swollen rear end from getting whipped with a coat. Because I don't get to choose. Children don't choose. Well, they're grown. Are they in your house? <laughs> Children don't make good decisions. That's why they're kids. They need to be taught. Naomi's not two, but she knows how to drive, or at least she thinks she does. I was working in the garage yesterday. Laura said, where's Naomi? I said, she's driving. She was in Laura's car with the windows down. You know, moving that steering wheel back and forth. And we forgot about it. A few hours later, we had to go over uh, to Laura's parents' house, and I crank up the car, and what happens? Windshield wipers, do, 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 back wipers, do, 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 lights flashing, yeah, 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 yeah. radio wide open. Naomi had turned everything that could be turned. She had flipped everything that could be flipped. And what does she say when she gets in the car? Dada, keys, keys. I ain't giving you keys, little woman. Because you think you know how to drive, but you don't. No, me and my house, we're going to serve Jesus. And faith can be seen. Oh, well, you know, brother, just because you're in church don't mean you saved. Amen. I understand that. But if I had to go look for saved people, I'd start at a church. Just like if I was looking for sick people, I'd ride to the hospital. Just because you're in the hospital don't mean you're sick, brother. No, you could be working there trying to help people get well, or you could be visiting. Uh, just because you're in a cemetery don't mean you're dead. No, you may be the guy weed-eating around the headstones. But most of them are. See, sometimes we say silly things that don't make good scriptural sense. People that love Jesus are going to be about his business. Third thing I want you to see is this. You turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. 1 Corinthians 2, 2, verse 4. Violent faith has a demonstration of the Spirit and the power of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. We're going to read three verses in the book of 1 Corinthians. And everyone that's here right now, if you, if you can check these three boxes, I want you to commit these three verses that we're going to read to your prayer life for the remainder of this year for our church family. If you can check off these three boxes. 
that you love Jesus, you want people to be saved, and you want God to be glorified. Is that you? Then these next three verses, I want you to pray them daily between now and the end of this year. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Jesus told those two men that came from John the Baptist, go tell them what you've heard, what you've seen. Tell them that the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the dead are raised, the lepers are cleansed, and the poor have their gospel, the gospel preached to them. I'll just go, Let me go ahead and make this side note here so you can understand, because you need to get this in your heart and your spirit concerning God's provision for your life, especially... When you go to the grocery store and what you could buy two years ago for $100 now costs you $200. You need to get a revelation of God's provision for your life. If the blind hear the gospel and they now see, the deaf hear the gospel and they now can hear, the lame hear the gospel, they now can walk, those that were dead are now made alive because of the gospel. Those lepers that had this disease, you talk about contagious disease. For two years, we've talked about contagious diseases. Leprosy, if it gets on you, it rots your body off. If they could be cleansed from that powerful disease, what do you think happened to the poor who heard the gospel? They wasn't poor no more. Some people who, ah, prosperity gospel, you believe in prosperity? I don't believe in poverty. How do you get poverty? Spend more than you make. Don't save a lick. Keep up with the Joneses. Thank God I don't have the, we don't have any Joneses in our neighborhood, do we? No, so we ain't got nothing to keep up with. Keeping up with the Joneses. It don't, it, a dead fish will float downstream. It's going to take some perseverance and obedience to the Word of God to produce wealth. And some of these people, prosperity gospel, I don't believe that, prosperity gospel. They would have wet themselves when they saw the temple that David gave $57 billion to. I don't know why a church, why you got to have a meeting in a church, because I don't want to get rained on when it rains. Because when the wind's blowing, I don't want my hair to get messed up. That's a waste of good hair gel. No, I'm just kidding. I don't use hair gel. I use hair wax. No. Their violent faith has a demonstration of the Spirit. It has a demonstration of the power of God. What am I talking about? I'm saying that real faith produces a change. What wasn't, now is. What couldn't have been done, now is easily done. That which is impossible with man is quick work with God. Look at this. You're in chapter 2. Look at chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 20. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 20. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 20. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Anyone ever heard the saying, talk is cheap? Words that have no action behind them ain't worth the hot air that was used to make them noise. A dying world isn't interested in just a religious system. That's called hypocrite. It's called fake news. 
What people are interested in, what you're interested in, is the power of God. Because the power of God is what changes a man or a woman from a dead sinner to a saint. If you look in every epistle in the New Testament, it don't ever say, I've read it. I went and did a study on it. You can't find, and this is Brother Paul unto the church in Rome, the bunch of sinners saved by grace. And this is too, written to the church in Thessalonica, the bunch of sinners saved by grace. Look, see what it says. Saints, set apart ones, holy, the faithful in Christ Jesus. You haven't been band-aided up. You know, you can buy a refurbished, what, phone, iPad, tablet, and what does that mean? It's something that was new, got all beat up, busted up, we replaced the screen, cleaned it up a little bit, and we gave it an 8 out of 10 rating saying that it still works, but it kind of looks like it's been used. That's not what Jesus did to you. You've been made a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. You can be set free completely. You don't have to go back into the old dead you. That's what people want to hear. That's what people must hear. Because people ain't interested. I've been passing by a church. I don't know if I should say it. Passing by somewhere that said, you know, this place, place for broken people. If you stop, if you put a period right there, I don't want to go. But if you say a place where broken people get made new, I'll show up. Because I can be broken at home. I can be broken in my pajamas with my feet up watching the TV. And honest to goodness, that's what a lot of people say. And they ain't wrong. But if I can come and what was broken is made brand new, what was missing has been found, what was sick and diseased has been healed. What was lost has been brought back again. Oh, that's the gospel. And that's the demonstration of the power of the Spirit and the power of God we must have. You say, AJ, you want us to pray that? Yes, pray that daily. Lord, I thank you for the demonstration of the Spirit and the power of God every time we meet as a church, whether Sunday morning, Wednesday night, small groups, prayer studies, whatever it is. Every time we come together, I thank you for a demonstration of the Spirit through our pastor, through the people of this church, and the power of God so their their people will see and know there is a Savior that sets people free. Because people ain't interested in staying Broken. They want power. Fourth thing I want you to see is this. Turn to Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. Matthew 15, verse 21. I only got you for a few more minutes, so so stick with me here. Matthew, do this for your second favorite pastor. Do this for me. Matthew 15, verse 21. Violent faith is not offended. Violent faith does not get offended. Do you know we live in a world where we get a, we're supposed to get offended on the behalf of other people? <laughs> there was this guy, he's a, he's a political commentator, but he's a young guy. And he went to a college campus in a sombrero and a black mustache, and a, I don't know the name of it, but it's, you see him, Pancho de Villa Ward in a Magnificent Seven, the original one. It's, that, it's the blanket where you cut the hole through it. I had one as a kid where you cut a hole through it and you put it over there and it's the, you know, it's the horse blanket that goes out the front. It's what those bad cowboys would wear. 
and you wore a blanket. Why did you wear that blanket? Because it kind of hovered over your six shooters on each side. And you'd keep your arms right here. And if you had that blanket, I'd get a draw on you a little bit quicker because you couldn't see my hands. It's what those bad cowboys would wear. And so this guy, he's a white guy because I have eyes and I can see the pigmentation of his skin. He's a white guy, but he's dressed up in this Mexican garb. He goes to a college campus and he just asks all kind of people, white, black, brown, yellow, does this offend you? They said, yes. They said, he said, why? He said, that's not your culture. Then he went in the same city to a place where there was a large population of Hispanic people. And he asked Hispanic people wearing Hispanic clothing, traditionally Mexican clothing, he said, does this offend you? They said, no, it looks great. I love it. I like it. Yeah, it's awesome. We live in a world where we're supposed to be offended about everything. We live in a world where we're supposed to get offended for other people. What are you mad about? I don't know. I'm just supposed to be mad. The TV told me I'm supposed to be offended. Faith and offense don't live together. That don't win me a popularity contest, but I don't give a rip. Faith cannot be offended. Faith and offense don't live together. Faith is unoffendable. Matthew verse 15, chapter 15. This little Gentile woman from Tyre and Sidon comes to Jesus. Let me get you down where you need to be. She comes to Jesus, verse 23. Jesus doesn't answer this woman. This woman has a daughter who's demon-possessed, verse 22. Verse 23, Jesus doesn't speak to her. And his disciples came to Jesus saying, Send her away, because first she wanted to talk to you, Jesus, but now she's talking to us, and she won't leave us alone. How many knows a little woman with persistent faith can get something done with God? (laughs) Jesus, please send her away. She keeps asking us to do something. We don't know what to say. Verse 24, he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus said, I got a mission. I have a mission to go to Israel first. I'm required by covenant. There's so much there that we can't get into it. But Jesus is basically required by a covenant that God made with Abraham. I have to go to Israel first. Verse 25, then she came and worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. She had faith. She didn't say rabbi. She didn't say good teacher. She didn't say, yeah, Jesus is a good prophet. Oh, yeah, Jesus said a lot of great things. Oh, yeah, he was pretty up close with, you know, Muhammad and other people. She said, Lord, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, it's not good for me to take the children's bread and throw it to dogs. What did that woman say? That offends me, Jesus. I'm going to go tweet about it. I'm going to get on Facebook and say, how mean you are, Jesus. What did she say? Oh, you're right, Lord. You sure are right, because I have a daughter, and I love her, and I wouldn't take bread from her and give it to a dog. But even the little dogs, there's a few crumbs that fall off that table. And those little dogs get some crumbs, and I'm just asking for a crumb, Jesus. I may be a dog concerning the covenant you have with Israel, but even a dog can get healed if I just get a crumb. Faith can't be offended. You go to Romans chapter 9. 32 and 33, Israel did not receive Jesus with faith because they were offended at what he preached. You go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 7 and 8, it says it again. They stumbled over the chief cornerstone, Christ Jesus. The chief cornerstone, Jesus, which was to be the foundation of the church, became a stumbling block for them. 
because they did not obey His Word. So lack of faith and disobedience made Christ an offense. How do I know? Let me put it this way. Who are the people that are offended of the Jesus of the Bible? Those who lack faith and disobey God. Well, you know, that, 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 that Bible is real old, you know. It was written by men, after all. Who was going to write it? Cows and chickens? <laughs> Many penmen, one author. The Holy Spirit moved on holy men of old to write down the Word of God. You want to call it a fairy tale book? That's fine. But what you call fairy tales are happening in my life every day. And I'll not be offended. I will not be offended of the message of the cross. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 18 says that people count the message of the cross foolishness, but those that receive it with faith, it's the power of God. What some people call foolish is a saving grace to another. James chapter 1. Turn with me to James chapter 1, verse 6 as we come to a close. James chapter 1, verse 6. James 1, verse 6. Violent faith is steadfast. Matthew eleven six, 6, Jesus said, Blessed are those who are not offended in me. Violent faith cannot be offended. Violent faith is steadfast. Jesus said, Who did you go out to see? A reed shaken in a wind? No, you went to go see John the Baptist. Did you think you were going to see a reed shaken in the wind? John chapter, uh, James chapter 1, verse 6. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For the person who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Or I could say that, a reed shaken in the wind, as Jesus said. Verse 7, For let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. Why? He's double-minded, unstable in his all, all his ways. Violent faith is steadfast. Violent faith is steady. You leave, you go somewhere, you come back, we'll still be preaching faith. You leave, you go somewhere, 10, 20 years, you come back, I'm going to be walking with Jesus. I'm not going to be shaken by the voices, lies, and deceptions of this world. I don't care if it's in vogue or out of vogue. I don't care if people in political parties say that I'm a Christian nationalist extremist and that I'm worse than a terrorist. I've seen their life and what they produce, and I take that as a compliment from them. The Word of God's working for my life and working for my family. And violent faith is steadfast. I'm not going to be moved. I'm sticking with Jesus. The cross before me, the world behind me, and no turning back. I'm not going to turn back because I don't get to play games with Jesus and get something from Him. Faith's not a game. It's an all in. There's no plan B with faith. And you can't, you know, I've done it before. I'll just be completely honest with you. I've done it. I went before the Lord and asked something. And in my mind, I'm thinking, man, that sure would be good if it came true. But if it don't, I might do this. Guess what? I'm in doubt. I've wasted my breath. It may have looked good praying. Oh, I could have jumped around. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and then I'm walking away. If that don't work, I could do this instead. That ain't faith. Violent faith is unshakable. Romans chapter 4, concerning Abraham, it said that Abraham did not stagger 
None of y'all would know this by experience. But when people get drunk, sometimes they fall like this. And none of y'all have never experienced that. Now, y'all been holy from the time you breathed there. And some, when they get drunk, they do this. When he saw the promise of God, he didn't stagger like a drunk man. When he saw the promise of God, he said, that's mine. And I believe, Romans 4.21, he who has said it is faithful to do in my life what he said he could do. Violent faith is always going to be... This is where we end. This is my third closing, Jesse, so we're actually coming to a close. Luke chapter 16, verse 15. Luke 16, verse 15. He got me the other week. He said, we closed about seven times. I've cut four off. It's a short Sunday. Luke 16, verse 15. Violent faith will always be despised in the eyes of the world. You're always going to look crazy in the world, eyes of the world when you believe Jesus. You just are. Violent faith always looks crazy in the eyes of unbelievers. Notice I said unbelievers. There's some Christian folk that may even be on the way to heaven. If they're Christian folk, they are. <laughs> you can't be going to heaven and not be Christian. Be a Christ-like. But there's going to be some Christian people that think you bat crazy. Yeah. Believing something that Jesus has promised you. Yeah. Which I don't know how bats got a bad rap, how they became crazy. <laughs> Luke 16, verse 15, and he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men. But God knows your heart. For what's highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Things the world celebrates, God hates. Oh, I thought God is loving. He is. Six things the Lord hates. Seven are an abomination in the eyes of God. By default, if God is loving, then there are things He hates. And what God loves, the world hates. The spirit of error, the spirit of Antichrist, 1 John 4, not the man of lawlessness who is yet to be revealed, but the spirit that will empower him John said, is in the earth now and has been from the beginning. And that spirit of error, that spirit of antichrist hates anything and everything of God. And that which the world celebrates, it's an abomination in the eyes of God. It's only natural as a Christian to be a pilgrim passing through. To be someone, I'm just passing on through, this ain't my home. I'm just traveling on through. Because violent faith, even Jesus, Isaiah 53 says it, that Jesus was despised. He wasn't with beauty. He didn't come in beauty. He didn't come in in, in noble form. He didn't come looking like a king. His own people despised him. The very Messiah they were believing for. Violent faith presses into the things of God. You're there in Luke 16, 15, right, verse right below it. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is pressing into it. 
What do you need to do today? You need to take it up a notch. Turn it up another level. The days in which we're living in require you. Press into the things of God. Don't take instruction, advice from anyone but God Himself. Make the Word of God the Word of your life. Don't follow another voice, but only the voice of the Good Shepherd. Be a sheep of His pasture. Commit yourself wholly to Him. Say to yourself, there is no cost too great to follow Jesus. And I guarantee you, you'll enter in fully into the kingdom of heaven. Stand with me today as we go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you and I thank you for this precious, precious group of people that have come together, assembled in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that in your midst there is no need that is not met. For you are the almighty El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. And we really believe that, Lord. We really do trust you. I thank you, Lord, that as we as a people persist and turn up the level of our faith in pursuing the things of God, that as your word says, Romans 10, 11, anyone who puts their trust in you will never be put to shame. We will be bold to believe and we receive it in Jesus' name. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, I'm a believer. I'm not a doubter. I believe your word is the word of my life. I commit myself to you wholly, completely, every bit of me. I pursue your kingdom, your righteousness, and I shall have what you say is promised to me, your will, in Jesus' name, if that's you, amen. Hallelujah. Bless you. Praise God. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you, and every Thursday I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.